Hello and welcome to Six Figure Authors, the show that helps you take your writing career to the next level. I'm Lindsay Baroker and I'm here with my two co-hosts. I'm Joe Lalo. And I'm Andrea Pearson. And this week we're joined by romantic comedy author Jamie Albright. She's a born and raised Texas girl and writes the multiple award-winning Brides on the Run series. She published her first novel in 2017 and just published the fourth last summer. We're going to be talking to her about how she got off to such a good start and how she continues to sell well. Uh, I think you're making a full-time living at least, Jamie. Yeah. I seem to remember yeah. you talking at uh, yeah. 20 books there. On, uh, you know, I guess you've got one more that uh, you did two books the first year and then it's been about one book a year. Mm -hmm. I think. Yeah. So am I missing anything? You want to tell nope. us a little about yourself? No, nope, that's it. I'm just, I'm a wife and mom and I have, one grandchild and I have another one on the way. So yeah, we're very, we're very uh, fertile over here. So yeah. <laughs> you look too young to be a grandma. So. Oh, thanks. <laughs> thanks. I, I go by Coco because I wasn't going to be called nanny or granny or any of those things. Yeah, so I'm Coco. None of that stuff yet. <laughs> Well, your Amazon bio also mentions that you're an actress and comedian. So what um, led you from that into writing? Uh, I did that when I was younger, uh, like in my 30s, 20s and 30s. And um, I then I didn't do anything for a long time and didn't um, ever think about writing because I have really bad grammar. And so I just never thought I could actually write down a story. and then. In 2010, um, I it was my reading buddy's birthday, and it was coming up. I had three months. I thought I'll write her a book because she doesn't care if I have bad grammar. And really, I had three months and just an idiot. I mean, I wrote myself in a corner pretty fast. But she and I then kind of brainstormed the first book, which is the rock star book. So, yeah. Cool. And is, is romantic comedy something you've always enjoyed as a reader? Yes. And that was like your... You're saying you were definitely going to do? Yeah. I wrote the book I wanted to read. I mean, you you hear people say that all the time, but I really did. I mean, I love um, Rachel Gibson and Susan Elizabeth Phillips. Those are all, you know, those are Jennifer Cruzy. Those are trad published authors. And um, then, you know, now I love a lot of indie rom-coms, Pippa Grant, Lucy Score, um, and Claire Kingsley, all those. So, yeah. Awesome. Do you think your background in comedy, did you actually do like stand-up stuff? I did stand-up, yeah. 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 Do you think that helped uh, write the lines in the, yes. when you actually started going? Well, it helps, it helps with storytelling. Uh, and what helped with the lines, like dialogue, I'm, I would have to say my strength is dialogue. And that is definitely from acting, you know, and just reading scripts and going back and forth. But yeah, the, the, what the romantic, I mean, the, stand-up did was it just helped me tell a story and you, you know kind of know that timing and feel that punchline when it's there that's awesome I've got a background in acting as well um most of mine was were musicals though so yeah, you know me too. seeing it people on stage and generally made them cry instead of laugh right. <laughs> not because of my singing though <laughs> <laughs> so maybe because of my singing I don't know Okay, so I have I have one little question, and I have a follow up question, like at the end of the episode. But okay. my first question is: if you had to, or if you chose to write a different genre, what would it be? Urban fantasy. Uh -huh. Oh, that makes me happy. <laughs> yeah, no, I love urban fantasy. That's probably my um, 
after romance and romantic comedy, it's urban fantasy. That's pretty much all I read. Nice. That's awesome. Yeah, I love it. I actually have this urban fantasy story that's been in my head forever, but um, I, I want to make money. And so I'm going to stay in my lane and I'm not going to veer out of it. And uh, if the time comes and I can write that story, I will. But right now I'm staying with a uh, romantic comedy. That's really funny because I write urban fantasy, but I also write, I have a pen name that does romance. Mm -hmm. uh, I've only got like two books out on that or three books out on that, but I have a 25 book romantic comedy, you know, series that's all outlined, but I make money at fantasy. And that so one. I'm like, I don't, I don't want to take, a, you know, the risk that yeah. everything falls apart. <laughs> because I feel like I would have to write under a pen name. Uh, yeah. And that's just, you know. That's a nightmare trying to, I already struggled to keep up with the things I have going on to have something else. Uh, but you know, if I, if I, if there became a time where I had a staff to handle some of those things, then yeah, but right now I don't. So if you had a staff to handle your grandkids and yes, all the <laughs> other stuff, <laughs> but yeah. And just, you know, communication. I, I don't think I would ever let somebody write my newsletter or I don't, yeah. especially with the comedy, I don't think they could um, just because it is my voice. But um, you know, there are some other things that are social media things that other people can handle with, but oh, right yeah. now I'm doing it all. So. Okay. So my, my real question, that was my short question. Now the real question <laughs> Okay, so are there any books, and this is something I like to ask romance authors just because to me, this, it does, it, you know, these things do influence my romance books, but are there any books or movies that influenced your writing or made you want to be an author? Mm -hmm. Yeah, my, my very favorite book is Susan Elizabeth Phillips' um, Natural Born Charmer, and it is the funniest book I've ever read. It starts with a headless beaver on the side of the road, but it's, someone's in a beaver costume. I, it's the funniest book. And I, um, and then Notting Hill is my favorite rom-com movie. So both of those, um, you know, I would say both of those are real dialogue heavy and that that's how my books are real dialogue heavy as well. So those are probably the two. Yeah. For those who are maybe thinking that I would like to write romantic comedy or that are just interested in romance in general, is that a pretty competitive subgenre of yeah. romance? And were you daunted at all going in thinking like, oh, I need a super high rank or super low ranking to make it to the top 100 there? No, because I was, I was so ignorant about some things. I just, I kept asking people, is romantic comedy hot? Do you think it's hot? And they're like, well, it's okay. It's okay. It's coming back. And I, so I just put it up thinking it's coming back and it did, but I think it was hot when I put it up, but people just hadn't kind of caught on, but yeah, it's, it's pretty hot right now. I think one of the, ch like there's like a challenge because it's competitive, but at the same time, there's such a big readership for something like that, that if yeah. you can make it <laughs> as you're clearly doing, you know, the, the rewards are great because you were talking about urban fantasy being a step down. Whereas to me, I'd be like, Oh, there's a bigger audience if I switch to urban fantasy. Oh, yeah, no, fantasy. it's a totally bigger audience, but yeah. Uh, it's, it's, yeah, I just, this is where my focus needs to be. I'm also, you know, I get very distracted very easily. So if I was doing two genres, it'd be crazy. 
No, I think you're doing the right thing, especially when you're doing about a book, a, not a book a year, yeah. you know, it's, it's a little harder to, yeah. <laughs> if you're going to do a book a month, do a pen name, do whatever yeah. you want. You're fine. Exactly. exactly. Um, so we first met, I think at the Somewhere Book Show mm -hmm. conference in, um, I guess 2018, it might've been. And yeah, I remember, actually we were both at the uh, Smarter Artist Summit in 2007, 2016. Wow. So we didn't meet. Yeah, we didn't You meet, didn't have a book out then. No. I didn't have a book out. Yeah. Brand new. Yeah. So I remember you talking there about how you were already doing quite well with the two mm -hmm. books out. So could mm -hmm. you tell us a little bit about how you launched your series as a new writer and did so well? Okay. Uh, I would have to say the biggest thing is at the uh, Smarter Artist Seminar in 2016, uh, Julia Kent, who writes romantic comedy, advised me to wait a year to publish. Uh, she also advised me to write two other books to go with the one I already had written. I wrote another one, sort of. Uh, so, but in that year, I learned indie publishing. So I really learned the things that, you know, best practices, basically. And so be before my book launched, I had a 1,200-person mailing list of people that just wanted my book because they, I had been in a preview promo. That's when you get together with a bunch of authors for the people that don't know. And, um, you put all your books in a promotion. Usually people put whole books, but we were doing previews of our books. And so I did that. So the people, and we asked people to sign up afterwards. So the people that signed up really wanted my book. And, um, yeah, so it, those people stayed with me. I got that mailing list six weeks before the first book came out and I emailed them every week. The first one was a crazy story about how I'd put my daughter's pants on and I thought I'd gained all this weight and I couldn't figure out what the deal was. And so they knew from the beginning kind of what they were getting with me and they all stayed with me. I don't think I had, but maybe 10 uh, unsubscribes that in that time. And so launching with an email list and getting your book in front of the exact right readers was the best thing I ever did. And, and I really do think it's why the book did as well as it did. Yeah. That's, that's better preparation than I think most people have. Like that's, that's, <laughs> it took me literally years to get that number of people on my, on my mailing yeah. list. So good, yeah. good job. My yeah. question was going to be, uh, did you do much research into self-publishing before launch? Apparently you did a full year of, of uh, research yeah. and I'm glad to hear that it paid off. So I noticed that you are in Kindle Unlimited. All of your I books am. seem to be in Kindle Unlimited. Was that part of your plan from the start? Yes, it was. I, I felt like it's at the time that that was the best way for me to get exposure. Um, I went into this needing to or hoping to make money. I kind of needed to as well. I sold plasma to pay for the edits for the first book. I mean, we were, <laughs> I had two wow. kids in college and I was paying for a wedding. So there was no extra money and I knew I needed my edits. So we were, you know, there was just not extra money for me to be doing this business. So if I was going to continue, I needed to make money to, con you know, to put back into my business. And so, um, I forgot the question was KU. Yeah. It was KU. Oh, yeah, KU. The start. So KU for, for me was, um, the best way to get exposure and, um, to have the best potential of making back my investment on my book. So that's, that's really why I had, I, even though I had the mailing list, I really didn't have a platform 
And so I just felt like that was the best way for me to do it. Um, I love KU personally. I, I, there obviously are drawbacks and things like that, but I do enjoy it. Um, and all of us have books that are in Kindle Unlimited. Um, so we're not, you know, anti Kindle Unlimited, obviously. But I mean, if something ever happened, and this is something that we all think about, and you had to release wide, how would you go about doing it? Um, I mean, to make sure that you're successful still. I mean, it's obviously not guaranteed, but no, because I would, I would re- lose, um, you know, a good part of my audience. Uh, I've thought about that, and I would probably do. I probably wouldn't do a whole lot different than I've already done. Um, I'm, I would, I might, I have a novella now, so I might put that novella out as a uh, lead magnet. I, right now I use it to get people to subscribe to my newsletter list at the end of book four, but I would probably put that out and um, ask people who are wide to put it out in their newsletter. And then uh, I would probably do swaps with wide people um, when the book came out and yeah, that's pretty much what I do. I'm really fortunate that because I've kind of been in the community since 2016, I know people, you know, I, I know that, well, I did know the Kobo people. That would be, I would have to get to know the new Kobo person, but you know, I know, I know a lot of people that, um, could help me, um, go wide, not that they would you know, give me an advantage like at Kobo or anything, but like draft to digital people or, um, and I just have a lot of author friends that are wide. And so I would certainly go to them for advice because, um, I don't believe in reinventing the wheel at all. So, <laughs> so I'm going to try to anticipate questions from the listeners. Mm-hmm. I wanted to go back to this preview promo. Mm-hmm. Could you explain, was that with like a bunch of other romantic comedy authors? How did that did you start it or did you join in and get an opportunity? <laughs> I did not start it. It came out of the 20 books group. I think 20 books to 50 K group, Pamela Kelly, I believe started it. There were like maybe 15 of us, 12 of us, something like that. And she put it up. Does anybody want to be in the preview promo and see, here's the deal in that year that I had been, um, learning indie publishing, Mark Dawson kept saying I needed an email list. And, you know, I've said this before that I could could have, you know, throat punched him because how do you get an email list when you don't have anything to give away? And I didn't, but I saw this as my opportunity. So I said, I want to be in it. I didn't have a mailing. I mean, I didn't have a MailChimp set up. I didn't have, at that time it was with um, prolific works. What is prolific works now? I didn't have that set up. I, the, book, the book wasn't formatted. I, I didn't have anything, but I was like, I want to be in it. And so then I reached out to people that I knew would, would help me. And, um, I got it all together. And so we, we put it out and it, it was great. The first, I said that they had to give me my, their email list afterwards. And that was the first time we put it, it for that promo. And I think I got 82 people or something. I was thrilled. 82 people. I had, you know, my, four sisters and my mother on my email list before that. So I was thrilled with 82 people. And then a author I was working for, she did a promo with complete books, but she asked me if I wanted to put my promo in and I did. And that's where the majority of those came in. Um, And so they, I think they did have to give their email before, but again, nobody really got off the list. So, Uh, but yeah, I, I, 
I was just really for it. I was at the right place at the right time. But I think that's important to, to put yourself in a position of being at the right place at the right time. I wasn't prepared, but I got prepared really fast. You know, I just didn't sit around and go, Oh, I can't do that. And I take, by the time I got my MailChimp set up, I was drinking heavily. So it was really not easy, but it was important. And I knew that it was important to the process. So just as a, to the listeners, you know, if you think you can't do something, find somebody that does know how to do it and ask them, don't be afraid to ask for help. Right. And, and just being in a bunch of different Facebook groups for, you yeah. know, uh, romantic comedy or like the mm-hmm. 20 books is pretty much everybody self-publishing it and their moms, yeah. you know, you'll see possible opportunities. Mm-hmm. And I think by giving yourself that deadline, you probably really were like, okay, I got to get yeah. this together, you know? Well, and I wanted, I had a deadline of putting the book out for April, 2017, because that was when the second Smarter Artist was going to be. And I wanted it out before I went back to the, to the second Smarter Artist. And I think I put it out two weeks before. That. Did so, you just do like the first three chapters or something like I that? I did the first three chapters. Some people did like six chapters, but I had won several contests with the uh, Romance Authors of America contest with that book. Um, and it was usually the first two chapters. And so when you enter those contests, people critique it. So it had, it was really, those first two chapters were very clean. The third chapter, my critique partners had been through several times. So it was it was cleanish. It wasn't quite as clean as the first two chapters, but again, I just sort of, it might, it could have been a bad risk, but I went ahead and did it because I just felt like, um, also I tried to end it on a hook so that people would want to know what came next. And that at the end of the third chapter is just such a good hook. And, um, so I, I, that's why I did that. No, that's, that's awesome. And did you just kind of put at the end, did everybody put at the end of their samples? If you're interested in the book mm-hmm. that's coming out on yes. that state, yeah. sign up for the, our newsletter or, you know, whatever. Exactly. And some people um, had pre-orders and said, so I didn't do a pre, well, I did a two week pre-order, but I don't think I told my, I didn't tell my newsletter about it. I, I just put it up just to see what would, what would happen um, per Chris Fox's advice and um it worked really well for me awesome and we should say too that if if you don't see that opportunity out there you can always start this yourself i I remember jay thorne early on was doing that he's like i'm gonna put together a box set for thriller writers i'll do all the work you know if you guys help promote it and i think at the time he probably didn't have a mailing list right much of a list and that was a way to you know, get your foot in the door and get to know other authors right i i agree with that 100 percent even now I'm still like, Oh, could I put it together? But I mean, if I had the opportunity, I would do it. I would put it together. And again, I'm real big on asking people to help me. I I don't really have a lot of ego there or pride. If I don't know how to do something, I'm going to ask somebody for help. Well, I'm glad it worked out. Yeah. And I noticed your books on, on KU on Amazon mm-hmm. <laughs> are uh, five ninety nine, which mm-hmm. maybe is a little on the higher price for mm-hmm. self-published, especially in romance. I think you see a lot of 99 centers. Yeah. Was that always your price point yeah. or have you played around with it? I played around. I launched the first book at two ninety nine, which was a risk because at that time, a lot, the majority of romance authors were launching at 99 cents. Uh, but I just, there was just something in my gut. I just was not going to do 
ninety-nine cents. So I launched at two ninety-nine and kept it at two ninety-nine for probably a month, and then I raised it to three ninety-nine. And after about six months, and I think at that point I had a couple of hundred reviews, and the reviews were really good on both books. I um, a friend of mine said you should raise your price to four ninety-nine. Ironically, she's not in the genre, but I was like, oh, okay. So I raised them and kind of bit my fingernails until, um, you know, to see what was going to happen. And I did have an initial little drop in sales, but then it went like as far as sales and those sales just went right back up. But I was, I never lost any money because I was making more. And then, so it was at four ninety nine. They were at four ninety nine until uh, November of this past year. I was at the Romance Author Mastermind, and Laura Lynn Page was doing a talk, and she talked about finding readers at different price points, which I had never really thought of it that way because there's just some readers that won't re they won't buy a book if it's below a certain um, price because they're used to traditionally published books or whatever. So I thought, well. I mean, it can't hurt to try. So I just raised them and it's been fine. I, I, I didn't check. I meant to check, but I, my sales have fallen off a little bit, but again, I haven't seen any change in income because I'm making a higher royalty rate. And if you have the higher price, it's a little easier to make AMS ads and things like that work. Yeah. Uh, is that something you do? Do you do Facebook and Amazon ads? I do and Facebook. Uh, the first year, I did only AMS ads and I started advertising my first book the week it, the week it was launched, which at the time was really discouraged. Uh, but again, I needed that book to make money for me. Plus it launched so well, it launched to 1300 in the store. And I was just like, I don't want to lose this. I just, I did not want to lose that ground that I gained. So I just started with really tiny AMS ads and, uh, you know, at the time, I think they were five, two dollars, and I, you know, took a big risk and raised it to five dollars a day because, again, we still didn't have any extra money. And but they just worked, and so I continued those. I really believe those and newsletter swaps kept me in the top five thousand for six months till the second book came out, and then the second book um, launched to six something in the store. 600 and something. And then I had two books in the top 1000 or below the top 1000, um, for like a week. It was a good week. It was, it was a fun week because I just never really dreamed that. I mean, my goal was to always do well, but it was, I just never dreamed I would get below a thousand. And then, um, but then after that, I kept running AMS ads for the whole full year. And then in April of 2018, I started running Facebook ads because AMS had, had really kind of stopped working for me. And I don't really know why. Even now, I, I really struggle to get them to do what I want them to do. I think it's because the cost per click is, I mean, is so high in romance. And I just, I, I just don't want to spend that. Even though I can afford to lose money on my first book because of my read through, there's just, I just don't want to spend two dollars a click. I mean, that just seems outrageous. And so, and I do so well with Facebook ads that it doesn't really. It, it's not like I'm losing anything right now. That could change, but right now it doesn't. 
All right. That's it's good to know. Yeah, it's interesting how different uh, ed platforms seem to uh, just wax and wane in terms of their mm-hmm. usefulness. I don't know right. if, if it's in the platform itself or just an individual's saturation or something like that. It's always interesting when someone sort of has to adapt. Yeah, I think it's because, well, like right now with Facebook ads, I think it's because people have become a lot more ad savvy. And so because of that, it is more saturated. Yeah. All right. So the romance fan base is known for being one of the most voracious readerships that there are. It's one of the things that makes rapid release so effective in romance is that romance readers read books far more quickly and far more, you know, well, I won't say thoroughly, just for, they have a much greater appetite for books. Uh, And because the readers are are perpetually looking for new books, um, does this present any challenges for someone who has a slower release cycle? Like, are you more likely to be forgotten? Have to work against that. Um. Of course, that's what I'm always afraid of, but I will tell you that when I launched the book in Ju- my, the fourth book in July, so it had been nine months since I had launched, um, I was worried about that, but I did some giveaways in different authors group, like uh, Amazon gift card giveaways and some authors groups whose auth- whose readership was my some of my readers but then there's two and all they had to do was like and comment to enter and i had so many comments that said i've been waiting for this book i can't wait to read this book it it, it i felt a shift in momentum it went from being oh i'll give it a try it looks kind of funny to oh i've been waiting for this book this whole series is so funny um and so because of that readers talking it up it those those giveaways really worked really well for me so yeah but yeah it is a struggle i try to stay in touch with my readers through um, my newsletter and through my facebook group but um i just i just think that because there is so much out there and i mean there are certainly people that write funnier books than me or different kind of funny books than me, but my humor is unique to me and there are just readers that do like that. And so I'm just really fortunate that they, I have not lost readers, but also, and I've always tried to have this philosophy. I was looking for readers when I found those. So there are so many readers that still don't know who Jamie Albright is. And um, I try to keep that in mind so as not to go crazy and panic myself because um, that's the worst thing we can do is get desperate. And I really don't want to do that. And I just try to write the best book I can. It just takes me longer than some people. Yeah, it's it's good to know that like we people will often talk about like sci-fi authors, uh, or I should say sci-fi readers mm-hmm. will frequently just have a favorite author and like the only thing they'll read is uh, stuff from that author. So yeah. it's it's good to know that every genre has got people who will like pick an author and be like, I like this author too. I'm going to keep track of this author because right. if you can get a if you can get a reader like that, then you have an evergreen, you know, audience. right? The reader that only reads five books a year or something like that. Um, and with this last launch, um, well, and it's continued, but I do sell more books than I would would have thought I would sell, being in Kindle Unlimited, and. I do think those readers are the readers that only read some books a year Um, just because of reviews. Some of the reviews, you can tell that 
it's not a they're not reading books every day you know and so that's good i mean i hope that those are the readers i have yeah no that's good. i love it's my good. ku readers oh yeah yeah it's good to have both i mean it's it's part of keeping a, a successful business going you know yeah somehow finding a way to reach multitude of readers or whatever right um okay so if there's only one marketing strategy or tactic you know say like just facebook ads or just amazon ads or just a you know book bub or something like that and you had to stop all of the others um which would it be oh i would do facebook ads for sure i, love I mean i love book but i can't get a book ad i mean you know i i'm still trying to figure out who i have to sleep with at book to get an ad but it hadn't worked yet so that's awesome uh, yeah <laughs> but <laughs> facebook for sure i just uh they've just worked really well for me i don't i think romantic comedy has has helped because i tend to use excerpts for my copy and they're usually all funny and they i try to end them on a hook so that it's you know so it's just a one click but i also put i put my um covers on my ads uh, um, on the image because i do release so slowly i don't want people to set to see it and think oh that's hilarious i want to i'm going to click that and then they get to the book and think oh i've got that on my kindle or i've already read that and so it kind of helps me keep the looky loos away because you know they they will see my book and my covers are so distinctive i think that they know oh okay i've read that i'm not going to read that again you know, or i'm not going to click on the ad so you just anticipated i was going to ask you do you do like short little ad copy or excerpts it sounds like do you do like a, a big one like both. 500 I words do both. i do both i've actually done the entire first chapter of uh one book i usually do because uh i write in third person past or these books are so you know it's like the first chapter is his point of view and her point of view, but it's not, they're not separated. I mean, they're separated by a little, you know, scene break or whatever, but, um, so I'll do the, or I'll do the first scene, which usually is pretty hooky. Like my second book is, uh, he's watching her run away from her wedding and she's army crawling through the bushes. And so it hits him what's happening. And it, you know, it says he, somebody says, well, don't let me stop you from leaving. And he said, he won't, he wouldn't because he had a bride to catch and that's the end of it. Well, I mean, that's the perfect hook to go on to find out if he caught the bride or not. So those work really well. I have a couple of copy, uh, copies that I use that are really short, just really short dialogue between the two, um, characters and yeah, I've tried reviews and stuff like that, but they just don't work as well as copy from the book and and again i think because it's romantic comedy that does give me an advantage to some extent because unless you're just looking for something super sexy which you can put some of that in a copy um it it's just interesting it just you know it just is a little more intriguing i think so i, I think my romantic comedy peers do really well with the same kind of bad copy as I do. So. Yeah, I find it also, I'm kind of the same way. I have a lot of comedy bits with mm -hmm. dialogue between my characters. And for me, that's, I have a horrible time like making ad copy that doesn't sound like complete snarky BS yes. or, you know, arrogant <laughs> or just who would even click this. But yeah. it's easier just to like say, here's some mm -hmm. of the story that I wrote. 
yeah. Because really, that's what that's what they want, and that's really why you want them to click. Because if they're not interested and they click, then they've just cost you money, and they may not go ahead and buy the book. So I, yeah, I, I think that using ad copy, I mean, using copy from the book is great. And is that also why you use the book cover? Because I've heard recommendations to use stock art or something. And I always feel like I want them to know it's a book and only click if they want right. the book. I, I do use stock art, uh, but then I'll put the book in the corner and it's usually like the ebook and the paperback, you know, like okay. just one of those. And I just put it in the corner and sometimes I put Kindle Unlimited under it, like on the copy. I mean, on the image. Sometimes I don't. I don't really see a huge increase in cost per click um, that some people say you'll have if you put the image on there, but it doesn't really seem to affect mine that much. And, but I do always put somewhere either at the beginning of the copy or, you know, under the picture in the headline free and Kindle unlimited. And I usually set it apart with some emoji, like a heart, two hearts or two flames or something like that to to catch their eye so um so that they do know that it's kindle unlimited all right good tips and i like that using the stock art but also you know because i think when you just do the stock art you know yeah. i think we have mal cooper coming on next month and i know she's big on the spaceship ass yes, <laughs> you know stock is, photo yeah. but um I feel like you might get a lot of clicks then from people who don't realize it's a book and then they just wasted your money because they thought it was a game or, or right, right. impossible. Yeah, well, especially when you're out sci-fi. Yeah, that, that's a huge, that would be a huge thing. Um, but I just put it somewhere on there. I mean, like I'll flip the image and I, I just really work with it to make sure that when it's on there, it's visible. I don't want it too big, but I want it big enough that it's visible. And are you active? Do you have like a Facebook author page or how big I are you? I have an author page, yeah. but I have a group, I have a private group, the Brightons, Jamie Albright's Brightons. So. And is that kind of your preferred method mm -hmm. of yeah, social media? Yeah, that is. I, I'm on Instagram, but mostly to look. I like to look at Instagram, but, um, and then I think, oh, I should have posted this picture on Instagram, you know, a week later. But, uh, and then Twitter, i I just feel like people are yelling at me on Twitter. So I don't, I'll pop on every once in a while, but mostly it's Facebook. That's where my people are. Yeah. I mean, you know, it's, we've had a lot of conversations on this show and the previous one in the past where it's like, uh, should you be everywhere or should you focus? And it seems like the, the stuff you would be doing, even if you weren't promoting in terms of mm -hmm. social media is usually where you can be most effective. Mm -hmm. uh, all right. So, uh, one a couple things I should ask. Again, you have a one of the one of the focuses here is is that your release schedule, particularly within your genre, is longer uh, yeah. than than yeah. most. How long does it take you to write a book? Uh, <laughs> well, it depends. Uh, usually, it usually takes a couple of months. Uh, I've had two books now because I'm counting the one I'm currently writing, where I've written and gotten good ways in and gone. This book isn't working. And had to start over, but I didn't have to start completely over. I used a lot. Um, so that takes me a little longer. So it's a couple of months and then, or a few months depending, but it's the revisions that usually take me a little longer because, you know, that whole grammar thing. Um, it's, I'm, I used to have abysmal grammar. Now it's just bad. So I am improving, but not much. So. 
Now, obviously, a lot of our what we've been talking about is the challenges that, that that sort of release schedule would have. But do you feel like taking the extra time and doing the extra revisions has any benefits? Yes, yes. And especially because I write comedy. Um, like, I'll write a joke, and it's funny. But if I take a little time and really uh, work on the timing of that joke, then it's not just funny. It's something people are going to remember. And um, there's a scene in the first book. It's bis the biscuit scene. People comment about the biscuit scene all the time in my reviews. And it's because I spent probably a week working on that scene. It, I'd write it and then I'd go back just to hone it and, t you know, just to make it as tight as possible so that um, it got the, the biggest bang for my buck, basically. And, um, but yeah, I, I do think it helps me because I am a, when I finish a first draft, it looks a lot like a script because it's a lot of dialogue. So I have to go in and really, you know, put things on the walls and, you know, put smells in the room and stuff like that because there's usually not. And my books still aren't very heavy with a lot of detail. That's the way my books are. I'm co-writing with my husband now. And I, what I've been doing is I dictate and then I pass it off to him and he's like, there's like no description in here. <laughs> I'm like, well, you know, that's your job. Yeah. <laughs> well, he's really good at description. And I'm just, I prefer fat, like really fast paced books where you don't yeah. spend 10 minutes discussing what the character's wearing, you know, or something like that. But, and so I'm naturally inclined to like your books. <laughs> oh, yeah. Yeah. They are, they're pretty fast paced um, and pretty snarky. I, yes. Snarky is good. <laughs> so, all right. So you've already said that you like Facebook ads. Uh, do you have any other main go-to methods for finding new readers? I like, I still like newsletter swaps. Um, yeah. But I think you have to swap with the right people. You know, I mean, you just really do. And and actually, from the beginning, I've done that. You know, when I first started, there were a lot of people that, because I'd, I'd been in the community for a year, that wanted to help. But I had to actually tell some people no, because they wrote erotic romance. So they wrote um, sci-fi. And that was just when we were kind of, you know, Chris Fox was telling us, about you know the algorithms and how the you know, things were working and wanting to get uh, your book with other books like your books and so I from the beginning I've done that but um, that's one way um, sometimes you can if you go into like another group like there's several re big reader groups for romance and sometimes if you go in there and you host um, a party or do some giveaways you can get new readers that way I'm still on the fence as to how effective that is but I do think that there have been a couple of groups that I've been in that it really has given you know brought me new readers but again that's a time thing and I'm trying to be better with my time so you know I don't know um, I I do like like book club, I mean, uh, like if I'm in a group or I do any kind of giveaway, having uh, readers sign up, you know, as the way to enter, sign up for my, uh, to follow me on BookBub and on Amazon and on Goodreads. But most, uh, all three of those, you're going to, they're going to, you're going to get exposure to them again. Um, they're going to, especially BookBub and Facebook, they're going to see your name again when your book is launched. So, that sort of keeps 
you know, me in their mind, especially if I do a giveaway leading up to my launch. So those are some good ways. So going back to the newsletter swaps, um, you said you swapping with the right person, right? Do you do you regularly swap with the same authors? Um, I try okay. not to, I mean, unless I have a different book, um, you know, I, I have a backlist, but it's four books. I mean, you know, it's not like I got just a whole bunch to spread around, but um, I tried to do different rom-com authors or, or authors that write lighter romance, you know, not so, um, not so sex heavy and not so, um, you know, just subject heavy, but, um, and I like to try to do newer authors. Like I, I don't know that I'm going to get a ton of readers from them, but they may get some of my readers and I just, you know, people did that for me. So I want to do that for other authors, but I have found that I've had pretty good success with, you know, some authors that are newer that just have, you know, 500 readers or something. Um, their readers have been really great for me. So I guess what the, the moral of the story is don't count somebody out just because they only have 500 people on their mailing list. Cause guess what? In a year they may have 50,000 and you still only have your 5,000 and you might want to swap with them again. So, um, <laughs> That's something to think about. Whether a 500 could be super organic, yeah. they just signed it because they love them versus 50,000 from <laughs> a whole absolutely. bunch of promos and stuff. Yeah, absolutely. And I think that um, that's important. You know, organic signups are always the best. So I know a lot of authors kind of struggle with what to say in their newsletters, especially mm -hmm. if they don't have a new release, you know, if yeah. they're doing one or two a year and they're like, okay, I need to mail at least once a month or something. Right. Um, so how often do you email and what do you say to your subscribers? I try to do once a month and like the last few I've sent out have been every two weeks. Uh, so it's every two weeks to a month and I'm not real consistent with, and you know, sometimes if I have something to say or I have a giveaway or, or I know somebody that has a really good book that's free, I'll go ahead and send a newsletter because I want my readers to be able to get it. Uh, that's another thing. I, I'm not really precious. I mean, I am precious with my readers, but they're not just my readers. If, if somebody has a great book and they can get it for free or 99 cents, I want them to be able to get that. I feel like that's me giving them value. Um, but it is hard. It's hard when you don't put a book out and you're trying to come up with stuff. I mean, thankfully I write romantic comedy, so I can tell crazy stories on myself and, you know, they like it. And, you know, in fact, the last one I sent out didn't have, a, it was something else. It wasn't a story about something crazy that had happened to me. And I got a couple of emails saying, Oh, too bad. No story this week. And I'm like, well, thankfully I haven't embarrassed myself in public. So that's a good thing. But, um, yeah, so that's, that's, those are the things I try to send out to my readers. That's good to know. And it's a benefit like, uh, of, of writing comedy and mm -hmm. comedy is one of those things where it's like mystery and, and a bunch of other like aspects of fiction where it's usually present in some degree mm -hmm. in every book. Like sure. one would hope that, that you've got at least a few comedic moments, even right. in a drama, because it's just good writing. Right. Uh, does specializing in comedy present any difficulties or opportunities? As I say, like, surely uh, people, romance readers who are fans of comedic romance are probably mm -hmm. a subset of all romance readers. So do you find that, like, people might be turned off by comedy? 
Um, I'm I'm sure there are. I don't I don't really hear from. Well, I have some reviews. Like one review said, the eighth grade version of a romance. And I'm thinking, what was this chick re reading when she was in the eighth grade? Because it wasn't what I was reading. But you know, so clearly she thought it was kind of juvenile. But um, yeah, I don't really think that it poses a problem. The the one thing that it sometimes happens is I'm going to tell the story, and I'm going to try to tell it with humor. But there are stories about people with real issues. My books, you know, they all they're just real people, and so sometimes. I mean, people laugh and they cry in my books. And I think sometimes readers have said, oh, I want, it was a little too angsty, which, you know, I do not write angst, but for them it was too angsty. And so, but that's okay. I mean, and also I think my covers, if you look at my covers, people know before they pick that book up kind of what they're getting. I mean, the girls' faces are kooky. I mean, it's, they're zany comedies. And with a little bit of realism and heart to them, but um, so people know. So I don't really, I, I just don't get a lot of people saying, you know, or if they hate them, they don't really tell me. So that's good. Well, that's the best kind of criticism is yeah. quiet, <laughs> quiet off the record criticism. Um, and the other, another thing you mentioned is, is like because you spend more time doing revisions and, and uh, uh, cleaning things up. Comedy is also one of those things that everyone thinks they can do. I listen to a yeah. lot of stand-up comics on podcasts, and they're like, it's yeah. the only job that everybody thinks they'd be able to do it if they gave yeah. it a try. Yeah. So uh, uh, just sort of key into that last one. Do you feel like because, because that's probably an aspect of a lot of writers, do you think the extra time that you put in sort of makes you stand out into people who, who might have entered the, the, the specifically comedy romance genre as a way to like, well... By adding comedy, it will make it easier for me to write. Like, do you right. feel like you, it, you, you stand out better because of the extra effort? I'm going to say yes. But it's not because I write necessarily a better book. I just think it's maybe... Don't get me wrong. I will go for low-hanging fruit anytime it's available. But I try to write smart comedy, you know, something you wouldn't, you wouldn't expect there are lots of times I'm writing and I'm like, this doesn't feel funny or it doesn't feel right. And then I'll flip the scene and what, like I have in the second book, we think he's about to strip because they need money and they can't, there, there is a road trip and they've been robbed and the only way, I mean, we think she's about to strip because, um, you know, they need the money. And then we find out that it's ladies not. And so he has to strip and, that that's the that's another scene that people talk about a lot and it was just i it just didn't feel well first of all i just didn't think i could make her strip there's the feminist in me wouldn't let me do it but um second of all i just wanted something surprising and i think that's what comedy is a lot is just surprise it's a surprise and it's the unexpected but yeah i'm and so with because i take longer i can think about it more I, I just have more time to think about it. Again, I'm, I'm so hesitant because I, there are people that write really fast romantic comedies that are hilarious and, and they're smart. There's not, you know, they're not, it's not all low hanging fruit, but for me, I, I just, that's the best way for me to write it. And the fact that you've been successful, I mean, we were actually talking in the chat about how difficult comedy is to heart and or is to write. And I mean, everybody has a different idea of what's funny, but like the fact that you're successful off so few books shows that you've 
pretty much hit the nail on the head for that genre, especially. I think small town romance, small town Texas too helps. Um, it also helps that I'm from a small town in Texas. So um, it's, it's authentic. You know, I mean, it's, mm-hmm. I, I did have somebody say once in a review, clearly this woman's never been to Texas. <laughs> I'm just trying to go only my whole life. But, um, <laughs> but for the most part, I think that makes it authentic. And um, I don't know. I mean, I just grew up around really funny people and with a lot of funny things happening. Some of the things in my book are actual true life things that happen. I've just changed the names to, to protect the innocent, mostly <laughs> my mother, but, um, God bless her. But, um, so yeah, I, I think that helps a lot. I write okay. what I know basically. <laughs> yeah. All right. Switching genre gears a little bit. Um, marketing is one of my favorite topics. So I just keep going back to that. Um, Okay, so you've talked about Facebook events and things like that, ads, um, newsletter swaps. Are there any things that you've heard that have worked for other romantic comedy authors or other romance or even just any author in general that you've tried that have not worked for you? Book web ads. I mean, I can get them to work for a day or two and then nothing. And Or they work really well for a free book, but then they don't work well for Kindle Unlimited. But I know Kindle Unlimited authors that are killing it with BookBub ads, and I just can't get mine to work. And um, I've tried different copy. I've tried different images. I've, I've done a lot of trying. Um, and like I said, sometimes I'll have success for a couple of days, and then that same audience or an audience very similar to it will just do nothing. So that's one I would really like to get better at that. Right now, Amazon apps are not working very well for me. Um, and I don't, you know, I'm already dependent on Amazon. I don't like being only dependent on Facebook for my for my advertising. And so I, my goal this year is really to try to master a different form of advertising or at least become proficient enough that if something did happen with Facebook, I could make the switch and it wouldn't be too bad. So. Yeah, we're, we're all always learning. So <laughs> uh, I think that's great. And I think that's something you have to do is keep like, what's the thing this year? Mm-hmm. You know, what's, mm-hmm. what's working? What can I get in on before it's too saturated? Or yeah. <laughs> is this and too I'm saturated? A, and I'm a little upset because there doesn't really seem to be anything new, you know, for several years, it was something new all the time. And it's almost like it's plateaued a little bit. And I'm like, uh, uh-uh, we got to We got to come up with something else. I was even thinking about, you know, Google ads and stuff the other day. I'm constantly just thinking of things. My son-in-law is a, uh, he's does social media marketing for a big PR company. And I mean, he's talked about uh, Reddit and doing ads on there. I just don't know the platform. So I'd have to learn the platform before I could do the ads, but I'm not opposed to it. I'm just trying, you know, we're all just trying to find a way to get our books in front of people. But I try not to get, you know, I've said this a million times and it's true. If something happened with Facebook or Amazon, I would be in the fetal position, you know, like everybody else, but I would get out of the fetal position and just move on. And so I try not to, when things start going bad on one thing, I try not to dwell on it too much because it will bring it. I have a tendency to spiral. So I try to just stay as positive as I can and move on to the next thing. So, but it's hard. 
it's hard when your livelihood kind of depends on it. Yeah, it is. And um, that's why we do these podcasts. So yeah. hopefully people can get new ideas and yeah. new from what you're doing. And maybe you'll get some ideas. And I'm yeah. always, you know, I always think too, that as something gets kind of saturated, we may see, you know, going back to things that worked five, six years ago, right? You know, maybe the multi-author box sets will come back and have a new <laughs> exactly. time exactly. or something yeah. like that. It's, yeah. it's not that things stopped working necessarily. I think people just flock to like, Oh, I heard Amazon ads are working, you know, so let's do that. And, uh, you know, we'll see. It cycles. Amoeba. <laughs> it just moves it. Yeah. yeah. So you can never relax too much. No, you can't. Um, so my last question for you is I saw on your website that you do some author coaching. Mm -hmm. um, are there any things that you see like mistakes maybe, or just things a lot of people come to you with and like you you see right away, they need to do this to improve uh, that maybe our listeners might also be doing and, uh, so I guess, do you have any suggestions for yeah. <laughs> for folks? Well, I always say this, and, and in my talk in Vegas, I ended with this. This is the biggest pro tip I can give anyone. If you go to somebody that knows more than you and ask them a question and they take the time to give you an answer, then please do them the courtesy of at least trying what they said. Because we, you know, people take their time to do, you know, to answer your question. That's time out of our, all all of our days. But um, the biggest thing is covers. People don't want to hear that their cover isn't working. That's I've, in the coaching that I've done. That's been the biggest thing that, you know, I've, I've said, I really, you know, your blurb's fine. Your look inside's fine. The only thing that's wrong is your cover. It does not go with the rest of, you know, the genre. And uh, that's the biggest pushback I have is um, that. Yeah. That and people just thinking they don't, they can't do ads because they're not smart enough. But that's not true. So it's funny how how covers in particular can have like they can affect your sales on both sides. Well, they can mm -hmm. affect your book on both sides because mm -hmm. a a good a bad cover can uh, keep you from getting sales, but also mm -hmm. a good cover that doesn't match the content of the book can cause you to have bad reviews yeah. because you got the wrong readers. It's funny how much of an impact the cover can have. Yes. And, and how, um, how precious people are about their covers. Especially uh, if they made it themselves. Yeah. It's <laughs> Don't do it. Don't do it. Don't no matter how it. good you are. I know. Uh, okay, so I, most of what my, I was going to ask next is sort of an answer, so I'll, I'll sort of trim it down to, to the, the last bit. Uh, because you you know you have uh, uh, to sort of manually maintain your sales in between mm -hmm. releases. Uh, do you keep an eye on your rank and like calibrate your your advertising dollars to try to stay at a certain rank, or is it just sort of you know par for the course? Just it's keep so it interesting that you ask that because I have been thinking. I, I haven't in the past um, calibrated how much I spend to my rank. I know if I have an ad that's working, if I spend this much, I'll have this rank. Um, but I was thinking the other day, if I can keep all four of my books around, you know, 3000 in the store, 3500 in the store, that's $400 a day for me pretty much. And so I would love to do that. I mean, that would, I would be a happy person if I could do that. It's hard. It's hard to do that because it's not always easy to find ads that work or you'll get two ads that are working and two books where the ads don't work. But I do have a really high read-through rate. So for most of the time, except right after I had a release for book two and book three, I've only really ever 
advertise book one. Since book four came out, I have been advertising all four more, but if I can get them in with book one, they'll read through uh, just because my back matter is really strong and I really try to pull them through with, with that. Um, and I think they, people really, the town I ride in has kind of become a character and I think people just want to know what's going to happen in that town. I don't even know if it's as much my writing as it is. They just like this town. And so, um, so yeah, that's, but I am trying to see if I can keep a, at a certain rank uh, for a while and see if that works. But you know, the, the lucky thing is that I, my income is very consistent from month to month. I know pretty much if I spend this much, I know I'm going to make this much. And uh, that's, I think that's helped me because I don't panic and um, I know I have money to work with for the next month, you know, when I'm running ads. So. That's not something I've been able to rely too much on. I mean, it's, my income is consistent, but it's, I mean, it's kind of contingent on how frequently I'm able to release, which is usually three to four times a year, you know, but anyway. Um, okay. So I told you, I promised you I'd be coming back to this. Yes. <laughs> so you said urban fantasy, um, mm -hmm. uh, which makes me very happy. <laughs> um, but if things did end up running dry on the rom-com side and you were, you decided it was time for you to go ahead and, and try out your hand at urban fantasy, you said you'd probably use a pen name, which, you know, not a bad idea, obviously. Um, but how, what else would you do? Like, how would you proceed with it? How would you start brand new as a new author in a new genre to you? Mm, I, I would definitely write something I could give away uh, to build an email list. That would be the first thing I did. Um, just knowing now how important that email list was to me, I would do that. I would probably have a couple of books written before I which could take, you know, six years, but, um, hopefully, you know, urban fantasy would still be hot by then. But, um, yeah, I just think it, it, especially in that genre, it's just good to have books that come out faster. Um, of course it is in romance too, but I, I just, I think because urban fantasy is such a continuation of the story that it's not a cliffhanger, but people want to know, I mean, they're, I want to know when I read them. So, uh, and mine are standalones in a series. So it's not like people are waiting to see what happens to the couple they fell in love with in this first book. So uh, that's actually a really good point. Cause, um, a bunch of the authors I know who write romantic comedy and only release two, sometimes three novels a year, they're doing very decently on that income. And I, I think you hit on it that you know, fantasy, we write in series and we make money in series and we don't make money on standalones. But if we don't release quickly enough, then people, they lose concentration. They lose, you know, interest. Right. So it is, it is really competitive. Uh, romance is too, but it's just different. It's just because it is that series uh, mindset that, that I think urban, I, I mean, I'm no expert, but that I think urban fantasy readers have um, that, it would be easier to lose readers maybe um, because there's so much and so many other books that are giving them that dopamine hit that they want, which is a book coming out pretty fast so. with the same characters. Oh, one quick question. How long are your books word length? Uh, the first one is 79,000 words. 
I have the word, word count on it um, <laughs> of my first book. And so I, when I think I can't do this, I go, oh, yeah, I can. I can do it. Uh, so 79, around 80, 95, and 92. Awesome. So they're longer than traditional romance. Yeah. 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 So I just can't tell the story fast. I'm from Texas. <laughs> We tell stories. We tell long stories. So, some people have uh, religious things around their necklace, but authors' word count <laughs> is the, the main thing. That people matters. always think it's my zip code or something. I'm like, no, it's the number of words in my first book, and there. Then we have to go into that whole thing, you know, which is okay. No, that, uh, that's really cool. I like that. Um, and I guess we've been talking to you for an hour, so we better let you go. Okay. Um, can you let people know where to find you? And yeah. maybe, I don't think we actually asked you the name of your first book so they can yes. check it out. Uh, the series is the Brides on the Run series. The box set is coming out in a little over two weeks. And the first book is Running from a Rock Star. People can find me at jamiealbright.com. And I have a new podcast coming out with Sarah Rosette. Can I plug it? It's not Please out do. yet. But, yeah. Wow. Um, you're teasing us now. Yeah. It'll be out. It will have, we've already done some interviews, but it's what I uh, wish I'd known then for authors. So we're talking to authors about things they wish they'd known when they started or things that they thought were a mistake, but turned out to be a really good thing. So it's, it's been fun. All um, right. And do you have a website for it yet? Uh, we do wish I'd known then. Dot com. And what does that start? It's uh, two weeks. We're going to put, yeah. All right. And I'll make sure and uh, link that in the show notes. So you okay. can get a link <laughs> and then people can uh, check it out right from the show notes that are now yeah. appearing on the iTunes podcast description. So that's yeah. nice. Yeah. So Sarah is a, she's, she's a mystery writer. She's got this historical mystery that is just amazing. Sarah Rosette, y'all need to look. Listen, I mean, read her books that's set in the twenties. And so, um, she's been really successful, but we could not be more opposite in every way. We are, we are completely opposite. So you get both sides of things. All right, cool. I look forward mm -hmm. to checking it out. There's yeah. many things I uh, wish I'd known then. So. Yeah. Mm -hmm. <laughs> um, but thank you for joining us and thank oh, you for listening. Welcome. Thank yeah. you for having me. I appreciate it so much. You're very welcome. And uh, listeners, please visit sixfigureauthors.com with the number six for those show notes we just talked about or to leave a comment or a question for the future show, a future show. And uh, we do have a Facebook group. We have lots of people joining now. So if you want to join, come on over, Six Figure Authors, and I'll put the link for that in the show notes also. We have simplified the question asking process. So all you have to know now is who has the beard on the show. <laughs> and uh, even if you listen, I, I'd like to think this is something you can figure out. <laughs> um, but thank you guys. We uh, really appreciate it. And thank you, Jamie. Oh, you're welcome. Y'all have a good night. Bye everyone. <laughs> so long.